Hello, and welcome to Love is a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Each episode, we dive into one element of business or strategy, and we test our theory of love against it. Today's topic, we're gonna zoom in on the topic of inclusion, specifically how businesses should be tackling it. And DNI is obviously still a, a hot topic, and all this buzz is causing a lot of companies to really scramble for some actionable results. And what you'll see is a lot of them are turning to training programs, uh, diversity or sensitivity courses. And we want to talk about whether or not those are effective and ultimately try and understand, as always, where does love fit into this equation, right? So before we dive in, let me introduce um, my my cohorts here. As usual, we have Frank Dana. Hello, Hello. Frank. Hello, Jeff. And I have my, you know, like I, I need like an envelope to open up here because I really don't look at these questions before I ask them to you. This is they're fantastic. Prepared, they're prepared for me and I look at them now. So Frank, yeah, what's the first place you're going to travel once it is safe to do so? Whoa. <laughs> so the first place, the, the place that we canceled our trip to mm -hmm. in, in mid-May, which I'd really like to travel to uh, is Disneyland. I was going to take my family to Disneyland in California. And so now it's expanded, though. As soon as we told our kids, it was supposed to be a surprise. We told our kids, like, hey, we're going to go to Disneyland. And my daughter was like, could we also go to Legoland? Like, if we're going to be resetting this thing, can we, like, add to the trip? You know, <laughs> can we maybe go to see some some museums in L.A.? You know, so it's like going to be time. more like an actual California adventure. But I think that's where I'm going to go once we're able to travel. Nice. Very nice. Love it. Chris, welcome. Chris Hello. Petrie. I have a question for you. Have you picked up any new hobbies in this time of social distancing? Hmm. If I studied this long, that means no. <laughs> <laughs> I think for myself and everyone I know, I'm like, I don't think anybody's picked up any new hobbies. Like we've tried new, we've tried new things, but they don't become hobbies. It's like, um, no, no new hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Fair enough. No, no. moving on. No. But no. Last but not least, Muhammad Anwar, uh, president of Softway. Mo, what is your favorite holiday and why? Oh, it's Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, you have to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> so just running this business and being so passionate about what we do here christmas time is the time where i feel like i can disconnect from the business and focus on myself and my family yeah. and uh in order to do that um i know it might sound a little selfish but I end up trying to give the company two weeks off so they don't bug me. <laughs> That's not selfish Thank at you. all. That is so selfish. I mean, you. even if wow. it's selfish, I'm sure it's well appreciated by all of Incredibly us. Incredibly selfish, yeah. Mohammed. More of that. <laughs> yeah, you should be. You should be more selfish to be honest. Yeah. I agree, Jeff. <laughs> Can we be selfish every other Friday? 
<laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> so, so let's dive in to our topic, guys. Uh, we talked about we're talking about diversity training, right? And it's very commonplace. Yep. But Frank, why do you think, or why do you, why do companies turn to diversity training? All right. So I mean, like we know this to be true, but it's really like there's two there's two reasons why. So either compliance, just like we have to comply, or they're really trying to make a actual real change to gain the benefits of diversity. And there's really no wiggle room in between there. It's like, uh, we need to actually make things right in this organization, find us a diversity training session, or people are actually wanting to grow in that area of diversity. And you know, either way, I think, and the, as the topic of conversation will kind of transpire throughout this conversation is, Traditional training may may not be the right answer. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, some some data shows right that nearly half of mid-sized companies are doing this. They're doing some form of this training, and nearly all the Fortune 500 have diversity training in place. So it's definitely industry standard. Um, but Frank, you might you you seem skeptical. Mo, what about you? Is it the right approach? I mean, if everyone's doing it, is it the right approach? As far as I think it, it isn't getting the results that they're trying to achieve from it because data shows like after 31 years of putting in this diversity training and uh, collecting data from almost 800 companies has shown that there hasn't been any change in behaviors and attitudes and the diversity in the workplace hasn't had too much of an impact as well. And this, this study was, uh, pulled from a Harvard Business Review article that I read recently. So I believe that it's not making a difference. You said 31 years? 31 years. This is data from or 31 years collected from over 800 companies. And That's it has not old. resulted. Yes. <laughs> so, when, so when Frank was born, they started studying 829 companies. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yes. 1988. Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> That's a long time. And if you think about like, I'm, I'm looking at all of the different things that have happened throughout all of that time from the late 80s until now. And you're saying that it has been ineffective across these 800 plus companies. That is correct. That is what I read. Right. And so since, since there is data on that, that kind of points to which of those two reasons it's still in place, right? Yeah. If, for, yeah. if, if there's only two reasons to do it um, mm -hmm. and it's not actually making a difference, um, I guess it's it's it points to that compliance might be more of, of a reason to continue spending this they spend a lot of money right yep. mm -hmm. millions yeah. of dollars yeah so <laughs> so chris then help us out why why doesn't it work why what is the problem so i think one of the biggest things that i've seen happen is <clears throat> typically there's this like train the trainer approach to, to dni training so if we educate the leaders they can go with their teams and they can facilitate the sessions and conversations with their teams. Yeah. But when you think about it, you have the oppressor going to educate the oppressed about oppression <laughs> and then asking the oppressed to comment about when they have felt oppressed, <laughs> right? By the oppressor, right? Mm. So that logic is flawed and you have teams that are never gonna open up with the leader who could be operating under discrimination bias, known or unknown, um, not wanting to even share or contribute or meaningfully discuss any topic where they have that discomfort, right? 
And, you know, I have a, a someone in my network who does DNI for a really large company. And even on the DNI team of that company, one of their suggested approaches was to have, you know, race conversations facilitated by the leaders of teams. And she had to like, like, we were socially distanced, so she couldn't shake anybody, but she wanted to, like, how do you think that's gonna go? Like, what what do we feel is gonna happen when leaders of teams that have absolutely no diversity in their leadership start opening up conversations about race and what it means to be a minority in a company and a team where minority representation is not considered, promotional velocity of those minorities is not considered, where attrition rates among those minorities are not where they should be. And now we're just gonna open up the can of worms <laughs> and I'm gonna bear my soul to you. <laughs> and I've come to you probably privately probably before and those concerns have been dismissed up until now. What do we think is gonna happen, right? So yeah. it's- and it's, It sounds like they're onto something in terms of like leaders are a place to start, right? In terms of like- like Totally lot agree. Right, <laughs> like that, so they teach. As soon yeah. as they learned it, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's what we're saying. It's, it's, Very much aligned to what we always say is that you know yeah. leaders are the ones that have to change. Like leaders have yeah. to start the change. If you you cannot change an organization with leaders not as central to that equation, but yeah. they're they're the way they're going about it is 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 kind of the problem there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the the other sort of flaw in some diversity trainings is the the lack of acknowledgement of the issues and the, the situations that the organization has allowed to let happen, right? Um, so imagine sitting there knowing that there have been lawsuits, knowing that there have been issues and challenges around the topic and still talking like, oh, everything is fine here. Like if you just learn about what it means to be black in America, you'll be great and we can keep it going. And it's, that's not what's reality. That's not actually addressing the real issues that people know about, care about, have cried about. And now I'm supposed to attend this mandatory training that's supposed to tell me how to be sensitive when I've seen so many others around me be treated in different ways. It's it's tone deaf. It is oftentimes um, canned and templated. Mm -hmm. um, it's not reflective of lived experiences within the organization. And it's not in, the diversity training is not inclusive, so you haven't even gotten the perspective of the people in the, around the room before you yeah. sort of gone around and tried to manda mandate a, necess a necessity such as DNI training. Right, and I would have to add, I mean, Chris. Me, also, sorry, Frank. Yeah. Also, um, you know, some of the things that we witnessed with some of our customers is that they have specific training materials, especially these global organizations where diversity and inclusion initiatives are uh, for their global locations. Yeah. And uh, they have websites and educational material that they give to their uh, employees before they travel from location to location around the globe to get more context to their culture and understand where they're traveling and what they need to be aware of in terms of their norms and the culture and so forth. And having witnessed and seen a lot of that content, it's clearly articulated in a way that's uh, actually building perceptions in the mind before you travel to India or Europe with the negative connotation, right? It's, yeah. it's giving the negative sentiments like, oh, in India, never do this. Don't, you never say this, 
or you never do this. And what happens is it's it's painting the whole population with the same paintbrush and it leads to stereotyping. Mm-hmm. And I've had, you know, customers who've asked me, hey, is it true in India this is the case? Like I heard in India you don't do this or you don't eat beef or you don't. And I've had to like sit down and explain, yes, there are situations like that or yes, there are scenarios, but that's not all of India. That's not how you know, everybody behaves there or not everybody doesn't eat beef. It's not like that. And what happens is this, this, this training and information that's being disseminated focuses on categorizing people mm-hmm. and talking about the groups and as one whole and misses the point of individuality. And so, uh, you know, they're already forming these preconceived notions about a whole population uh, through these training efforts and it's yeah. defeating the whole purpose of becoming inclusive and diverse. It's, it's not just defeating. It's, it's, it's doing the opposite. It's right. exactly it's making it worse. Stereotypes. Yeah. And then you walk in with your guards up. So I can imagine like my favorite, one of my, I say favorite, but it's not a favorite. It's clearly funny, but <laughs> Europeans yeah. are skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Europeans are skeptical. And I'm like, I've been to Europe. I know people. I, it's, no, they're not all skeptical, right? Are they meant, Are they <clears throat> curious or inquisitive about strategies or recommendations? Absolutely. But like, I would not approach going to Europe as saying, like, I'm only going to be around skeptics, so I'm going to therefore have to defend everything I say, et cetera. And so I agree with you, Mohammed. Some of those sites that try and prep people around stereotypes actually reinforce those stereotypes, if not create new ones. Um, but also those there those things sort of give off the wrong stereotype of the visitors that are coming in too right so you have this cycle of stereotypes that are being created because yeah. we're 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 potentially setting a tone that is not the example or the reality of what it means to be from a native spot going to a a new location yeah i totally agree and you know we witnessed when you know we've had to work with client um, that are globally located and work with their team members from different parts of the world. And, you know, we were advised, hey, don't don't say this, don't use this terminology or don't try this in Asia, specific, uh, Asia Pacific region, you know, uh, or in Europe, this will never fly. And this is their own team yeah. talking about their coworkers and saying, yeah, don't do that. That won't yeah. work. And they say oh, it I so think- confidently. Yeah, yeah they, I remember yeah. The, word was, the actual word was don't use the word love. Yep. Yep. Because they aren't going to connect with it. And I remember I remember challenging that. We'd sit there and be like, oh, really? Why Why? Why is that? Please yeah. explain. Please thoroughly explain why this just hands down. <laughs> totally not work. Because Europeans are skeptical. <laughs> but it, it was actually like the word love. Like if yeah. you talk about love, they're going to shut down. If you talk yeah. about love, they're not going to engage. If you talk about love, they're not going to connect. And yeah. that's what we were told about about people groups all around the world. And not only that, we we kind of got into a little bit of trouble because we decided we're going to go and use the word love. And we did. You know, it was reported up to the VP level, and we, you know, we're kind of like uh, put it under the bus or saying, "Hey, you want to make sure Safi doesn't use this word in Europe." Um, but fortunately the VP was a, a advocate of ours and uh, she was like, go do what you have yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah. It's all so, and, the, and, and everything from my perspective there, it was encouraging when we kind of 
shirked that and said, no, we're going to, we're going to do what we need to do. We're going to talk about what we need to talk about. And here's the crazy part is everybody that we talked to loved love. Like everybody that we were talking <laughs> with, they embraced it because it's, it's human. Okay. And so we, we create these stereotypes of these individuals and we forget the humanity behind the person. And stereotypes are created because of specific situations that happen that people are, are trying to protect themselves or others. And that's what you're talking about, Muhammad. Um, yeah. But in doing so, you lose the humanity in the relationship building yeah. and the opportunity to connect to someone on a, on a person to person level. And the converse is true, right? So there's a thing called stereotype threat. And that is basically people that feel like they are fitting into a stereotype negatively are so worried about playing into that, that they are overly conscious about their actions or their behavior or their style of dress to not sort of exhibit things that might re result in discrimination or result in bias or result in a negative impact to their career, their success, their adoption, their inclusion, whatever the case may be. Mm. So it's, it's stereotypes can be harmful. Yes, there are good stereotypes, right? But more generally stereotypes connotate something negative. Yeah. So ultimately what we've noticed, Jeff, is that, you know, a lot of the training material that we've encountered and have had to witness seems to reinforce stereotyping mm -hmm. more than solving the problem of inclusivity or diversity. Yeah. 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 And, and studies, there's other studies. I have a few notes here, like three quarters of diversity training, you know, from these, Fortune 500 and like all these medium-sized companies that all do this, three quarters of them do it with negative messaging at its center. In other words, saying mm -hmm. there's like implied threats, right? If if you discriminate, the company could face a lawsuit. Like gotcha. these types of things are the center of their training. And if you think about that from a human, just from a human psyche and empathy, is that really effective? Are people really doing that? Like oh, I need to change my ways. Um, like again, three quarters of Three quarters of all those companies doing these trainings also make it mandatory. And like studies have literally shown that like following it for five years, starting from when it becomes mandatory, five years from there, they track that diversity has not improved. People are still in the, the same ratios of, of, of people of color and minorities are still in the same positions and even worse. And you ask the trainers why that is, why, why did that happen? And they say, well, Actually, over the last five years, everyone who's been made to do this training kind of got angry about it and became ultimately resistant to being told what to do. So interesting, all these different ways that this training, the concept of training as like a course and like this thing um, forced onto people all adds up to from a statistic and from a logic perspective to be really, really ineffective. And, and, and so for our purposes, I, I guess I post this. I think we clearly see that people are still doing it. Um, maybe it's because they don't have another alternative. I mean, what what's the right way to approach this, guys? Like, what is if if not through training? How do you fix inclusion, diversity, inclusion? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the key things is to a focus on individuals, as Mohammed said earlier. But when you think about the behaviors that are required in order to have an inclusive culture, you really need to tap into what are the behaviors and the mindsets and attitudes that not just the leaders, but everyone on a team or in an organization should exhibit or have. And starting there allows for more practicality to creep into your organization um, knowingly and unknowingly, right? 
Um, and as you mentioned, just focusing on sort of awareness of uh, diversities and sort of differences is not enough. Um, but I think that if there is more concentrated effort on helping people understand that, as Frank mentioned, there's humanity behind every soul, right? Everyone has something that is unique, right? But rather than just look at the differences or try and dig into differences, why don't you just try and understand the person, right? Like, yeah. Novel idea, understand the person, get to know them, right? Like, what do they like to eat? Like that's, we as humans, everybody eats, <laughs> right? Those small little things go a long way and you'll notice that those behaviors become building blocks to relationships which become building blocks to, you know, culture, which become yep. building blocks to outcomes for the business, right? So yep. when you have that focus, it allows for everyone to feel included in the training, right? Because it's not us versus them. It's not minority versus majority. It's not group versus group. It's not, you know, you're crying out and they're crying out, who do I listen to first, right? Like, it's not any of that. It's just, how do we as humans come together? So. That's yeah, my reach. honest answer, but Muhammad, interested in your take? Yeah, sure. Reach. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd have to agree with you, uh, Chris. And and you know, we have a product called the Seneca Sessions, which is a a two day experience for leaders that they have to go through, where we um, go through an experience of talking about the different types of behaviors that we must embody as leaders, and I definitely agree that it boils down to behaviors. And if you look at the behaviors that are needed to build a true DNI um, environment that's positive is that we, we have to start with introspection. We have to teach the leaders to really introspect, look within themselves to understand why they do what they do and even have awareness that they might be doing something that is not inclusive. Mm -hmm. uh, down to other behaviors that we cover in this two-day uh, Seneca Sessions experience for leaders is like, how to be vulnerable and the strength of being vulnerable and being a leader that just can recognize when things that you have done that you simply take ownership and apologize for and the power behind vulnerability down to um, trust psychological safety, how creating a psychological safe environment can become inclusive where people can speak up and mm -hmm. contribute and give ideas and everybody's voices are heard. So we, we have this whole two-day experience that we've been fortunate enough to come up with here at Softaid for our own leadership team, but then we were able to package it and offer it for our, our customers. And as you know, we've traveled the whole world uh, literally last year, uh, how many continents was that, Frank? Four, 80? five? <laughs> no, it's continents, not countries. <laughs> there, there are only so many continents. On the <laughs> I think we visited five, five continents yeah. total, yeah. and we uh, trained over a thousand leaders from 46 different countries, coming from all different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different upbringings. And uh, what we found was that taking them through an experience, speaking them about behaviors and how they can change their behaviors ultimately helps them build a, a more diverse and inclusive environment in their workplace. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I think is the real way to approach this problem. The, the interesting thing about that, Mo, is that Seneca Sessions is not a DNI training. 
you know, like yes. Seneca Sessions, Seneca Sessions is a leadership training, but it, it is by our obvious, obviously our opinion, but it is the answer to like, and we mentioned this in our other um, DNI episode was that DNI doesn't have like, doesn't have to look like what you think DNI is to address DNI. Exactly a lot of the problem, yeah. the problem to get to inclusion, it starts with people. And so much of training is saying, here, everybody, it's it, training to me does one of two things, right? Like, like formal training that you might think of for diversity. It does one of two things. It either gets everybody to look at everybody's differences and accept diversity as this necessary thing, or it tries to somehow get everybody to think that nobody is different. And I think those two approaches are just unrealistic. And as Chris said, it's about like, it, like it's about the actual individuals focusing on accepting Chris, yeah. not not the boxes that Chris fits in. I don't need to accept, you know, all women if I can just accept the person. I can just accept Karen or <laughs> I was gonna say Chris. Or, I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, I was jumping yeah. between. Apologies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and the other thing, Jeff, is like, if if we're really looking to change behavior of our leaders, right, and make them recognize about their behaviors that could be causing a non-inclusive environment. You can't change behaviors of humans through training. It just doesn't work. It has to be through experiences. So another approach that we built into the Seneca sessions was that it wasn't a, a typical training. It was an actual experience where we took our leaders through a really emotional journey that made them go through the experiences um, mm -hmm. that allowed them to recognize themselves even to understand, you know, what was driving their misbehaviors or their aggressions or um, their lack of trust and why they were afraid to be vulnerable and take ownership. Like we, we were able to really hone in um, on getting them to experience it through, uh, mixed activities and putting people together and and um and taking them through this whole experience because the real way to get people to understand and change or commit to change their behaviors is through experiences mm -hmm. so a typical training that you're forced to take on a cbt and just go through multiple choice questions at the end of the day to say so what kind of food do indians like to eat uh, and you know, ABC select your option <laughs> isn't going to solve DNI problems. Like it requires an experiential process that allows them to recognize how their behaviors are ultimately uh, coming in the way of that uh, yeah. inclusiveness. I think one of the best gifts from a DNI perspective that you can give to a leader is self awareness. Once yep. they understand their behavior, their attitudes, their decision making preferences, they become now sensitive to all of the things, all of the people around them who could be impacted by their behaviors, their decisions, their actions, their words. And so to me, if I were looking at solutions for DNI or looking at how to make my training more effective, I would be asking myself, how am I helping people become self-aware, mm -hmm. right? And if you're not solving that challenge, then you're never going to get to inclusion. You're never going to even see numbers move when it comes to the promotional velocity of minorities in the business or any other marginalized group that you might want to solve for. I also think that when it comes to 
um, going back to just training, like, and a lot of diversity training is around awareness. So just making people more aware of differences in humans. But I think that once you have tapped into self-awareness and given people that sort of foundation, it becomes easier now to share the struggles of marginalized groups because now empathy is tuned way up. And now I can understand, oh my, I, I miss that completely. I feel something differently about that sort of struggle, even if I don't know anybody in that struggle or, or have never sort of been through that struggle, I can appreciate it more because I'm self-aware that I may have contributed to that struggle unknowingly, right? I may have an ability to help solve that struggle unknowingly. I may have a platform or a voice that I can lend to that struggle. And I'm now more self-aware of how I do that, when I do that, where I should do that and I'm not being told to do it, right? And so I feel like there's this build on effect and maybe the the challenges that um, companies have gotten it wrong thinking you start up at the awareness level and not at the self-awareness level, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that could be yeah. a possible way to think about like, what do you have happening before you start trying to educate people on the, the struggles and the differences of humans? that's going to allow them to understand how they play in that struggle or in those differences as a leader. So Chris, not only are they focused on just awareness, they mm -hmm. also try to uh, implement a solution through policies, procedures, and process. And they don't really address the behaviors and attitudes when really that is the root uh, problem, right? Yeah. So they try to build in processes or procedures that people must follow so that you can be diverse and inclusive. Yeah. But that's not enough solely. It is important, mm -hmm. but it is not enough and not the ultimate way to get a solution to the problem. The root yeah. cause is making people self-aware of their behaviors and themselves mm -hmm. and their attitudes. And if you don't address that, you're not going to get to a DNI environment, yeah. right? Yeah. And and ultimately, you're not going to ladder up to the business outcomes that could also benefit you from the uh, uh, an inclusive environment. Yeah. And I think a, a hypothesis that I do want to test, and I know you said this, but I'm going to try and challenge you just a little bit, which sure. is I do believe that there's a place for technology in the DNI conversation. I do feel like there could be some effective solutions to support the personal development of you know, more inclusive practices and self-awareness. Because like, when you think about it, I know companies that have 25,000 employees and only a team of 15 on the DNI, you know, in the DNI program, right? Yeah. How are they gonna scale to touch 25,000 people and there's only 15 people? Like, I don't even know if there's enough hours in a year, to, you know, yeah. during an average work week to give them the chance to touch every human. And so I think that, you know, if we think about sort of the mission of software, bringing humanity back to the workplace and thinking about our skill sets, I want, I don't want to in that mission and not have tried to tackle this problem through a technical solution, right? So I'm challenging you a little bit and I know this wasn't yeah. your point. I just want like, in case the listeners out yeah. there, this is for the people in the back, right? So, <laughs> so just, um, just, yeah. to, just to respond to that, I, uh, I, meant, I said process, <laughs> Procedures. I was talking about it was a few a few statements ago. It was a previous, sure. So, so yeah. let me get to the solution. So, <laughs> I like so drama, you guys. I like drama. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, 
you know, software is about humanizing technology, right? Mm -hmm. And we yeah. just talked about how experiences are needed to transform people's behaviors. You mm -hmm. can't just do it through training. Yeah. But we also believe that as experiences shape people, technology shapes experiences. Mm -hmm. So we know as technologists, we have the ability to shape those human experiences. So yeah. I'm actually agreeing with you. I yeah. think there's, yeah. this, there's a place for technology <laughs> to go solve that problem. <laughs> I'm just saying processing, processing procedures yeah. is not solely enough. Like, yeah, no. But through was, technology, we could do it. As we made the comment about the like CBTs around like asking Indian what the food is, like when you ate that comment, <laughs> there was that conversation. Just for clarity, it's not the process conversation. To be honest, that right. particular question. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, well, I can tell you, I can tell you the what was used to build that CBT was built exactly. with the wrong yes. negative notion. So exactly. the problem wasn't the CBT. It was how the, the training was built, yeah. right? But also, yeah. even in that, even in that CBT, it doesn't need to be a boring multiple choice question assessment that I have to pass, <laughs> right? Like we could build experiences that are personalized and you can consume at your pace, your interest level, and that allows you to go through your journey of learning and self-awareness. So yeah. we should rather look to building CBTs that are not linear, but personalized to the user yeah. experience. Then they're more apt to consume that information and go through it at their pace and their awareness level and their journey of transformation. So yeah. I, I don't disagree I agree with, with you. you. Yeah, see, I there's just obvious, just obvious troll <laughs> trolling from Chris really worked out here. Um, congratulations, Chris. Way to yeah. way to go I'm on that. For the people I, in the back who heard no, that and might have taken away something a, that we didn't intend. Here's a relevant. I mean, here's a relevant message. I guess I have on that is basically like there are. I mean, we're gonna get emails that are like, I do diversity training and it works just fine. Like and and like like. Th th this good <laughs> like we're not we're not actually we're not actually saying here that like all diversity training is bad and you're doing it wrong um so so it is relevant saying that you know process tools behaviors like we're trying to connect them all together and yeah. and at the end of the day it's actually if you're upset by any of this because you know you're doing dni for your company and you take offense to this great <laughs> like uh we hope you thought we hope you thought about it a little bit because that's that is that is the point is that you there could be elements you're missing and there could be outcomes that you're not you know you're not achieving from from one angle and we and that's the whole point of this podcast at the end of the day to be honest is that we want you to be able to look at things from a different lens if they're if you're not already Right. So I'm glad, I'm glad you trolled Muhammad, Chris. I'm glad yeah. that he took the bait <laughs> and went after it because that's the type of conversation, that's the type of conversation we have to be having um, yeah. overall. And so, I mean, for me, like DNI training has to evolve. It has to, yeah. to, to become something that actually affects change. Right. Because right now we are so boring. It's so it's boring. So boring. It's like, <laughs> As a minority, I'm telling you, it's boring. <laughs> like, I can sit through it. I would. I'm, I am the subject matter, and I don't want to sit through it. Like, <laughs> I, this is boring. So, so yes, it has. It has to evolve, and it has to also. There has to be this this more holistic approach to how we do it. I think that's really the the understanding here is we're not saying that it's evil. We're not saying that it's all ineffective, but there are so many different ways that we need to be tackling these things. And what it feels like is that a lot of these trainings that have happened, all of the data that supports what we've been talking about, it falls to the lowest common denominator. How can we move fast? How can we not offend anyone in this conversation, like the people paying for the training? Um, and how can we 
you know, just to get it done. Uh, and, and in this situation, we're saying tough conversations are required. Experiences are required. And, yeah. and we have to own the opportunity here instead of letting someone tell us that we have to own it, right? Which is that self-awareness. And so for me, that's, that's really where when people are listening to this going like, I don't even know where to begin. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. You start with yourself. You start with that place of self-awareness. And so that's, that's my biggest takeaway is I need to be self-aware in these moments. And for people that are, are wanting to offer diversity and inclusion training, recognizing the importance of that, that's, that's what I took. And that's, that's the whole, that's the whole tweet right there. Good. <laughs> Frank nailed, Frank nailed it. I think that's a great way to close this out because um, I couldn't have said it any better. I think that's, that's, that is, that is our stance as a whole as software, but also something that I hope the listeners really, really go back and think about. So thanks for that, Frank. So yeah, man. Uh, this was great. And, you know, hope, hopefully uh, this provokes some thought. We'd love to hear from you guys, the listeners, about what kind of thoughts that did provoke. Softway.com slash labs, L-A-A-B-S is how you can um, come talk to us. And we'll be posting another episode next Friday. So look forward to that. And like to thank, you know, every time I thank you guys for a good podcast, there's, a, there's an awkward amount of goodbyes we say to each other that we have to edit out later. So <laughs> let's try it. Thank you guys for your time. This is fun. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> thank you, Frank. Thank you, Mark. Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. bye. <laughs> Jeff?